1116 SEN. This is the Flag Flyers for the American Australian Association, devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Flag Flyers, the place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies flying the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler, alongside me is Lucky Miller. What's going on, buddy? We're world champions again, Christos. World champions. Who's world champions? Andrew Bogut, but by association, me as an Australian, we're world champions. Well, we kind of knew that was going to be the case uh, a couple of weeks back when it was announced that it was going to be Cleveland. Not announced. It doesn't get announced. Announced. No one stands on the podium and actually reads it out. The competitors for the 2015 (laughs) NBA Finals will be, and it does not not, not like that, but once Cleveland went through and Golden State went through, then we were guaranteed someone to win, which was terrific. And Andrew Bogut has done us proud, and hopefully he'll come into the studio at some stage and I can say good day to him and get my photo taken with him and do that nerd thing so we'll see how we go yeah and ask him if we can get a slice of his bonus <laughs> it's it's not a bad bonus is it we'll talk to Benyam about that actually from uh, believe the hype nba.com who's going to join us on random the bases very shortly as is Xavier Player from Hewitt Sports Network going to give us the latest of all the goings on in the world of Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball from an Australian perspective and Olgan Ulick from pickandroll.com.au will round out Running the bases. He's got some news on Thon Maker as well as some other uh, players, which will be terrific. Our feature interview today, Lucky, I'm very intrigued to hear from this girl. It is Georgia Page, a.k.a. the Rugby War Goddess. Pretty much the Ronda Rousey of rugby. I'm sorry, I've been in the media the last few weeks and I haven't seen anything about it. You know, has it been publicised? I'm not sure. <laughs> For anyone a, who seems to have been living under a rock... Georgia Page is the Australian Rugby Sevens player who was playing collegiately in the States for Lindenwood University, got smashed in the nose, started bleeding profusely, still managed to get up and complete the tackle, just kind of seemed to shrug it off like nothing happened. A lot tougher than you, a lot tougher than I, and it was phenomenal viewing, and we are proud to call her an Australian, so we are getting her on the show today, and we want to know her story. She's tougher than us. She's studying osteopathy. So she's smarter than us. And she's much better looking than you. So, you know... Well, she's got one more modelling contract than I do as well. She hasn't quite knocked me off yet, but she's getting close. (laughs) I mean, in a few years, maybe. But, uh, yeah, in this game of season, we're excited to talk to her because, you know, she's uh, a big star now. And, you know, generally big stars don't talk to us. But uh, we've got someone on the line, finally. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a good interview. And we'll also finish off the show speaking with Damien Arsenis, also from pickandroll.com.au. The NBA draft is on this Saturday. I'm so excited being a college basketball fan myself. We've got a couple of Aussies who have been working out with NBA teams. Probably none of them are going to get drafted, but they'll probably... There's, there's a chance that they might get um, get signed come summer league time, do a bit of a Delva Dover and actually get signed through that way rather than getting drafted. Hugh Greenwood, Mitch McCarron and Jeremy Hill are the three who are uh, working out with the NBA teams. But it's still very exciting. I'm still pumped for the NBA final. The, the, the NBA draft feels like Christmas to me. I love that we've already, and literally been no more than 12 months, that we've coined that the, these three Aussie players going into the draft, which will most likely go in un, undrafted and hopefully try to make it through you know summer league and things like that, we've already christened it the Dally Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, Dally only did it twelve months ago, exactly. and you know, all of a sudden because he's it's become the epitome of players who don't get drafted. It's the Dally Way. It's yeah. not just an Australian thing; it's everyone else. Yep. It's the Dally Way. Yep. So, if anything, Delver Dovis left an indelible mark on the NBA. That uh, you know, people that go undrafted. Well, Paddy Mills could probably. Oh no, Paddy. No, Mills he got drafted. drafted. Yeah, sorry, my bad. But yeah, Delver Dovis got a legacy. If nothing else, if it's not, if he doesn't have a ring. He's got he's got a phrase coined after him. 
That's all you can really ask for. I, think. I reckon that's just as good because, you know, uh, ring lasts forever, but so does that, maybe. <laughs> hey, big show, mate. Let's get into it. Kicking us off on rounding the bases this morning is Ben Yamka Dame from Believe the Hype, NBA.com. Ben Yam, welcome to the show. Always a pleasure, guys. Mate, Andrew, Andrew Bogut's Golden State Warriors have been crowned the 2015 NBA champs. It probably wasn't as easy as they were expecting going into the series, especially when uh, after Game 1 when Kyrie Irving went down. But they got it done in the end. It took six games, but Andrew Bogut is now a national champion. I don't want to say world champion, really. An American <laughs> champion. He's got himself an NBA Finals ring, so that's all he can really ask for. Yeah, let's go with that. We'll go with NBA champion. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, fantastic uh, for Andrew Bogut to join uh, uh, you know, the, the five other Aussie guys to, to get a ring. And, and, and just a great way to finish what was a historically amazing season for the Warriors. They finished an 83-20 and 20 record for the year behind their, uh, their great regular season. So it's, it's kind of like they executed the perfect uh, game plan for the year. Uh, one thing I read earlier on the week in terms of a not... Despite the fact Bogut's a number one draft pick, um, he's obviously now won a champion, uh, championship ring... I heard that um, it, uh, he activated a clause in his contract that basically gave him, I think it was a $1.56 million bonus just for winning. Did you? Are you familiar with that? He did have a little, uh, a couple of kickers in his contract this season. I think there was that one and then also uh, making the all-defensive team as well. I think he picked up a little uh, jump in the pay packet there as well. So he's, uh, he's ticked off a lot of boxes there, uh, at least financially. Yeah, well this year. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, you, you'd probably be um, uh, much more well, well versed to um, answer this than than what I know. But in terms of salary cap, do they have to include that under the salary cap, or is that a bonus? I think that comes uh, as a little bit of a kicker. So I'm not actually sure where that that falls under, but uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Oh, right. I, oh, that's I ask the hard hitting questions here. <laughs> Chris is more about uh, you know just the the fluffy ones, and I you know get into the. In, into the real issues, but from from a perspective of um, uh, Bogut falling out of the rotation, what did what was your view on? I suppose the media, um, I suppose reaction back here in terms of all, I suppose the critical people from around the world saying that you know maybe slightly discounting Bogut's role because from my perspective they wouldn't have won sixty seven games during the regular season exactly. without him, and they wouldn't have won from a matchups perspective. Who was in the playoffs earlier that um, they you know Memphis was it Memphis? Yeah, from a rim perspective, uh, protecting perspective Bogut saved them well it's, it's a different thing with uh, I guess the Australian sort of outlook when, when it comes to sort of things like footy and that kind of thing when you get dropped you get dropped because you're not playing well and you're out of the team whereas with basketball there's a lot more strategy uh, as far as the matchups go for in the playoffs because that's really what the playoffs and the finals are about it's about playing the matchup not necessarily trying to win 82 games and, and, and you look as you said between the Houston Rockets coming up against Dwight Howard against Marcus Gasol and, and, and Zebo with Memphis and also with Anthony Davis in, in the New Orleans series, Andrew Bogut had a huge role in stifling, I guess, you know, probably the best or second best player on each of those teams uh, being their big men. So he had a huge role leading into the, the finals. And then once they got to the finals, he still contributed, I guess, at the, the first sort of three games. And then once it sort of came down to that sort of uh, chess match between Steph, uh, between Steve Kerr and, uh, and David Blatt, he was just a little bit of a, a casualty of that matchup, but I don't think it's any slight on him not playing in you know the games uh, five and six or anything. It's just a, a situation, uh, I, I guess, because of uh, the matchup with the Cavaliers and and how well the Warriors play small. But other than that, I mean, he he was a huge part of this team. He was an All Defensive Player this year, and each season uh, has has been really really important for the Warriors. He was, but he started playing uh, behind Azili. I think Azili was getting some game time in some of the later games, games five and six. And still, Bogey didn't get a run. I thought that was a Three bit strange. Minutes. I can understand if he was playing behind other guys like David Lee or or perhaps even Spates. But to play behind someone like Festus Azili was a bit strange, I would have thought. 
Well, I, I think, you know, looking at that, it seemed like that was a little bit of an, an odd um, move. But Steve Kerr, you know, explained that in, the, in, in a post-game press conference that the reason he went with Azili was that he wanted a little bit more of a runner at that position, someone that could sort of get up and down the floor. Uh, because the Warriors at that point were just trying to run the Cavaliers off their home court and, and really try and push that tempo uh, behind Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green. And, and I think Azili just kind of fit that role a little bit better as far as being that, uh, you know, more of an athlete uh, than Andrew Bogue, that he could just sort of run up and down the floor, block shots, uh, you know, uh, throwing a few dunks and, and, and just run the court a little bit better than Bogus. So that's kind of what it came down to. So, again, the matchup and the uh, and the strategy kind of didn't work in uh, in Bogut's favour. So while Bogut would be wearing the bling on his hand um, for pretty much the rest of his life, Matthew Dellavedova will need to have another crack if he wants to get an NBA ring. He, his uh, Cavs obviously fell at the hands of the Golden State Warriors in the finals. How much do you think Delavadova's lack of game time throughout the regular season impacted the way that he kind of fell away towards the end of the final series? Because he was a bit player for pretty much the most part of the regular season in the first few uh, rounds of the playoffs. But then come the NBA finals, he got thrust in the starting lineup and started playing these minutes that he wasn't really used to. I think also the minutes as well as the intensity as well, because the, you know, the, the, the playoffs and the finals, uh, you know, they go up to that extra level as well. So for a guy that's coming in playing you know, 10, 12 minutes a night during the regular season, to then be going up to the you know, 38, 40 minutes a night, plus you know, playing against a guy like Steph Curry as well. So all these sort of factors, I think, just sort of added up uh, for Delhi because he, he was, you know, he's not the kind of guy that coasts when he's out there either. He, he goes full throttle. Yeah, he, he goes so hard, he goes to hospital on an IV drip. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. So I think you know, it was a combination of all those things kind of caught up with Delhi and, uh, you know, coming up against Steph Curry is, is probably one of the toughest covers, at least athletically, uh, in the NBA at the point guard position. So he definitely had his work cut out for him. And I think just the grind and, and also the short rotation from the Cavs, I mean, they're only running with a seven, eight-man rotation uh, at times. And, and, and the pressure was really on a lot of those guys physically uh, towards the end of the series. You could see pretty much everyone on that Cavs roster was gassed. Uh, Del Vadova uh, probably, you know, in, uh, enjoyed probably the, the biggest roller coaster of emotions through that six uh, six game stretch. In that, um, at the start of the series, he was being lauded as you know, just like it was almost like Lynn Sanity. Del Vadova was probably getting number one at the start. Yeah, yeah, and then by the end of it, you had commentators. I think my favorite one, or when I say favorite, that you know. Uh, the one really, that you'll remember the most. Yeah, remember the most was oh, Matthew Del Vadova is back to playing as Matthew Del Vadova. <laughs> You know, where, where do you think Dally fits into the NBA landscape from a you know a, a, a truly uh, indicative? Um... Surely, he's, surely what he was doing in, in the first few games were above what he'd be given us for the rest of his career, wouldn't it? Has he peaked? Well, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I think those performances definitely speak for themselves as far as the the global uh, shock and awe at what Dally was doing in the in the finals. But I mean, for him, it's. Those kind of performances, offensively at least, I think were a surprise for a lot of people that hadn't seen him play, or I guess at least you know saw him play during the regular season where he was coming in as a as a backup point guard. So the the roller coaster was definitely real there for Delhi because you know as, as you said he went from being a guy that was sort of running with the second unit and trying to get guys shots to then you know almost taking over games and making big plays uh, in the in the final quarter. So it was a bit of an up and down. Uh, series for for Delhi, but uh, you know, c- coming up against the, a Warriors backcourt, I think you know it was a little bit of a reality check for not only him but uh, the rest of the Cavaliers and what they were actually dealing with in this uh, this Warriors team. Uh, quick question in terms of potentially how this um, you know Delhi may be impacted. David Blatt uh, is he going to get the flick? Is LeBron going to basically exercise that sort of you know control over the team? And if so, would you view Delhi as one of I suppose I would um, LeBron's 
chosen people that he would have on his team? It's it's tough with David Blatt. I think you know the the, the Cavs had signed him up to a, a pr- pretty long contract, and they seemed pretty committed to his uh, you know, style of coaching, at least at the start of the season. And I mean, look, they they went to the conference finals, they went to the NBA finals, they did you know a lot more than uh, I guess what was expected. I guess from him at the start of the season when when he was sort of looking at a rebuilding job to to sort of then you know run with that team and and, and take them to the finals, was a you know, pretty impressive effort. But as far as what that means for Delhi, you know, Delhi's Delhi's loved by not only uh, the Cavs players but also the front office and management. They're very very fond of Delhi, uh, and that goes back you know beyond uh, Chris Grant and uh, the previous GM, and then also Dave Griffin as well now, who's a who's a big fan of Del Vadova. So I'd be very very surprised uh, if Delhi wasn't to return to Cleveland. I uh, I fully expect him to be back. Yeah, and I think um, uh, from a from a back office perspective, um, I'd probably highlight the fact that um, you know his, his his jersey sales at the start of the series were the highest in the entire NBA, and that just from a little bit of a uh, cross code translation, uh, if if nothing else, from a marketing perspective, and the Cavs, you know, trying to get some cash in from an international market, the San Fran Forty ers because they've had Jared Hayne on their you know practice squad or, or roster for the last few months they've actually had the most page visits from Australia um, or you know uh, a huge demographic of Australia visit um, the San Fran 40, um, 49ers so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes into it a fraction yeah I, I don't necessarily think so I think you know I mean that's more of a, a great byproduct of, of, of what Del is bringing I mean, he's obviously an interesting guy, and then you know the whole Australian factor, and obviously the style of play that he plays. But I don't necessarily think that's a that's a big thing for them. I think it's more what he's doing uh, in the locker room, in the in the in the practice court, uh, off the court, and also on the court as well. I think they his play alone is, is what's keeping him there in Cleveland. Yeah, byproduct. So I probably shouldn't say it's a deciding factor, but you know, it's a <laughs> it's a helpful thing. Yeah, when yeah. you got LeBron, it kind of doesn't really matter who your coach is going to be because he's the best player in the world and more than likely he's going to get you to an NBA Finals. Do you think that the Cavs can make it back next year regardless of what happens with David Blatt? I mean, talent wins above all in, in the NBA. This is a, a player's league. And when you have two guys like Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, uh, as well as LeBron James, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Love, whether he's coming back. But you've got Tristan Thompson as well, uh, who's more than likely going to be there uh, next season. So they've already got a fantastic core there. I'd be very surprised if they just on their own can't make it to the NBA final. Well, the East isn't going to get much better, is it? Well, that's it. I don't think there's anyone else in the East that can really run with them. I mean, perhaps, you know, Chicago's got a new coach there. I mean, I don't know what they're going to be, but I don't think there's really any other team out there that's going to be able to run with the Cavs in the East next season. Just really quickly, it's not really related to Australians, maybe, but we've got the NBA draft on this uh, this weekend on Saturday. Who do you reckon the top two picks are going to be? It's pretty much going to be Okafor or Carl Anthony Towns. Who do you reckon is going to go 1-2? I think I'm going to go with uh, with Towns for number one. Towns for Timberwolves. I think so. I think that's that, that's probably the best fit for them as far as uh, getting a, uh, a a big man of his uh, athleticism to to go along with Wiggins and uh, and Rubio. I assume you boys are going to be chatting about it on the uh, on the show this week. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll have uh, an episode coming out on uh, on uh, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, with uh, all our uh, draft previews and predictions and that kind of thing and, and also uh, having a little bit of a chat about some of the coaching changes and trades as well and uh, and some surprises we might see at the draft. We could see Kristaps uh, Porzingis going uh, up yeah. two or three as well so I wouldn't be surprised if we see some uh, uh, some freakouts from some GMs over him. <laughs> we'll be listening, mate. Have a good one. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Continuing on with rounding the bases this morning is Xavier Player from Hewitt Sports Network. Xavier, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. How are you, mate? Not too bad, buddy. Let's start off with Liam Hendricks, who's uh, the only Australian at the moment currently pitching in the majors. How's he going? 
He's going well. He's upped his record for the season to 2-0 and with a 2.78 earned run average. His last three outings, he pitched 0.2 of an inning against the Orioles, giving up one hit, pinched 1.2 innings against the Mets, not giving up a hit, and the day before against the Mets in the same series, 0.2 of an inning, giving up one hit. So he's getting regular outs. He's not giving up as many hits as he was at the start of the season. He's pitched 32 innings across the season now, struck out 34 guys. Pretty solid numbers from William. Now, while we don't have a whole bunch of guys in the major league, is normally we kind of hang our hat on the fact that we have uh, at least a few in the minor leagues, but you've just told us just before we've come on air here that because um, of the way the minor leagues work, that there's kind of been a lot of roster changes and there aren't a whole bunch of Aussies. Can you explain what's going on there? There are... During the halfway point of the season is when uh, Major League Baseball have their amateur draft. So you've got 1,200, 1,300 players coming into the system across essentially six levels of minor league baseball. So you're going to have a lot of roster changes at this time of year. The uh, lowest end, so your uh, single-A short season will be starting. So their their seasons that only last 50 or 60 games as opposed to your full-length minor league season, which lasts 110, 120. And... So there's a lot of movement at the halfway point of the season because you've got a lot of new players coming into the system who have just signed their first professional contract. But an interesting point of this is that uh, single-A and some double-A leagues have what are called first and second-half champions. And the reason they do that is to reward the playing group who are with, the, with that particular club for the first half and second half of the season because obviously with players coming in, those rosters will change a lot. So... We've seen first-half champions crowned about a week ago, and we've seen an Australian pick up a first-half championship. But that Australian is not a player, I believe. That Australian is not a player. Uh, Matt Cooper, who is the baseball operations manager with the Vasilia Rawhide, and this is his first season working full-time in a front office in the States. So they've picked up a first-half championship, which is really good. They're an uh, affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, Matt's got a very interesting story. He did an internship with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans after working with the uh, Sydney Blue Sox in the inaugural season of the ABL, built up some contacts here, went over there for a season, came back, ended up being the general manager of the Blue Sox, and, yeah, things things took a very positive turn for him, and he's wound up in the States this year. Hey, just going... Go on. Sorry, I'm just going to quickly talk about a few of our minor league guys. Yep. Uh, Travis Blackley has moved to 2-3 and three on the season with a 5.26 earned run average. His last outing against Colorado Springs, he, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, the Sky Sox, he started, went five innings, gave up two hits, didn't give up a run. The outing before that against the Round Rock Express came out of the bullpen, pitched an inning, gave up uh, one hit and one run. So he wasn't affected with that draft because he's playing in AAA, correct? No. So the guys at AAA are pretty much sold what they like. A lot of guys will stay in the same spot, but there are inevitably going to be guys move. Another interesting one is Peter Moylan, who has made eight appearances on the season, has a 1-0 record, and an earn run average of 4.7. I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up to the uh, big leagues of the Atlanta at some point in the near future. He kind of seems to be the next in line, doesn't he, out of all the Australians to pop up? He does. He, he's been there before, but it would be great to see him back. Absolutely. Xavier, thank you so much for joining us on the Flag Flyers, mate. We'll chat to you soon. Very good. Thanks, Jen. Finishing us up on rounding the bases this morning is Olgan Yulik from pickandroll.com.au. Olgan, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me again. Now, we've got some good news in regards to Thonmaker, which is always good. He has been named the MVP of the NBPA Top 100 camp. Can you let us know about this? Uh, yeah, he, he, had a, he had a really good camp. He, uh, from all the reports from the camp, his body spilled out a lot, which has been uh, one of the discrepancies in his game. Um, and yeah, he had, a, he had a really good tournament. So what does this mean for his stock then? Because he's kind of one of these players that when he first kind of burst onto the scene with all his uh, YouTube videos, he was kind of touted as the number one player in the nation at his age, and then he's kind of slipped since then once he's you know transferred and played some ball in um, in Canada. Where does he sit now, especially after uh, taking out the MVP? Well, he was a victim of uh, just an, an overhype just because his videos were shared everywhere, and so he he was hyped a lot, and so that means that Whenever people watch him now, they they watch him with like a certain scrutiny, mm. which which isn't which isn't really good. But now that uh, he's reclassified back to the class of 2016, he has another year to develop, and so that's that's a huge plus in his development. How much did it go into? Uh, well, from what you know, and I know you've spoken to his guardian Ed Smith, or, or um, you know, got some quotes on that article that uh, you wrote on PickandRoll.com.au this week. How much did it come into it where? They're probably almost coming from the other perspective now, um, or from the other angle, in that he's actually lost maybe some um, hype, and that they need to maybe take an extra year to try and gain some traction back. Well, yeah. Initially, the thought was to get him to the pros as quick as possible, so try and get him to college as quick. Which is what like Exum did. So Exum went straight from high school basketball in Australia, bypassed the college system because his stock might drop if that happened. Exactly. It's it's, it's got to do with if your stock might drop, or if you get, if you have like an unfortunate injury then it's good to kind of be safe with... It comes down to money a lot of the times, but, um, yeah, so it, he, he wanted to uh, get to the pros quickly, but now, but now that they're reclassifying, he, he has time to develop his body. I, I spoke with Ed this morning. Um, he said that it had a lot to do with Don wanting to play another high school year with his brother because that's something that he didn't get to do properly. Um, and, and, yeah, they, they noticed, they realised that they might as well try and develop him as much as possible before sending him to the next level. Yeah, I, I, I think that was the part that I suppose interested me the most in, in your article was the fact that, uh, you know, he wanted to stay back, whether or not it's true or not, or legitimate, that he wanted to stay and play a year with his brother, which is, um, I understand... Baby that. maker. Huh? Baby maker. Baby maker, yeah, it's the best Baby. name ever. Um, get him to the pros so we can market that. Um, in that, you know, um, just from that perspective of being able to play with your brother, I understand that motivation... The other thing that mentioned in your article was that the two teams that are still pursuing him aggressively that were pursuing him for this year's class was Arizona State and someone that escapes my mind right now. Indiana. Indiana. Why do you reckon it was those two that, that honed in on him? Was there any, or, or he honed in on them? What what was it, do you know, that um, sort of was uh, an attractive proposition? Because Arizona, Arizona State only just replaced their head coach. Well, because, because the speculation recently was that he would uh, complete his uh, high school this year and then enroll in December, those were two of the schools that were willing to take him in. A lot of schools aren't willing to take in players mid-year just because it does affect the chemistry and affects the team, stuff like that. Uh, now that he's uh, reclassified to the class of 16, he'll start college with the rest of the 2016 graduates. Um, he'll, he'll have a lot more colleges open to taking him in. You'll, you'll see Duke and uh, Kansas and Kentucky come in as well. But like you said, and like uh, Ed Smith told me this morning, uh, Indiana, Arizona State are still up there as the, the two most aggressive recruiters right now. So what about some other Aussies who had good showing at the uh, MBPA MB, Top 100 camp? Who, who else uh, had a good showing? Well, 
with Von Matua was also there. Um, he had a he had a really good tournament. He's he's really kind of growing into his own body. He's he's a different player to Thon, where Thon kind of tries to play a lot like a guard. Uh, Matua kind of knows what player he is. He's an energy guy. Also, Jorgok Gak. Um, he's actually a cousin of um, the Makers and brother of Dengak, who's in the Australian Under-19 team. They're in Europe right now. But Gorjok is he went over to America at the start of this year, and his stock has grown heaps. He's getting a, a lot of uh, high Division One um, uh, uh, interest and offers, and so I fully expect him to kind of explode. And there's also Max Cody, who's kind of a lesser-known player, um, but he, he had just a yeah, he had a very decent camp. Yeah, on Gorjak Den, because this is uh, that article was the first time I actually uh, heard of him. Whereabouts is he playing, and and uh, what sort of uh, yeah? teams would be would be looking at are we looking at high major mid major or what sort of um yeah frame of uh, division one well i think gorjok played for a while now he played at um blacktown he also played at manly here in uh, sydney and um he's he's a victory rock prep now he's 6 11 he's very long he's a good athlete he's also got a really good face-up game um he, he's a good high major guy i know he's gone off from connecticut um and he's got a lot of the kind of floridian schools interested in interested in him as well um and so i fully expect him to go quite high almost like a mangog matian kind of he's not the same kind of player but his recruitment has been very similar and just before we finish off mate any uh any, any news on uh, ben simmons how's he going how's he looking at you at lsu all that sort of stuff well ben simmons he's kind of mastered the art of, of social media he's he does a great job on his instagram on his twitter um he definitely has someone uh very well informed helping him run that kind of stuff and He's, he's doing well. He's getting a lot of training in at LSU, and he's, he's really looking forward to the trip in August, coming to Australia, uh, visiting Newcastle, where he, where he plays, visiting Melbourne, coming to Sydney. I think they're going up to Brisbane as well. Can't wait for that tour. It's going to be tremendous. Ogden, thanks for joining us, mate. No problem. Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is the Flag Flyers. The recently dubbed rugby war goddess Georgia Page from Lindenwood University in the States made headlines a couple of weeks ago for the brutal tackle that she laid after suffering a broken nose in her side's win against Notre Dame in the USA Nationals. Ronda Rousey has nothing on this Aussie and she joins us on the line from New South Wales. Georgia, welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> Does this uh, change the meaning of the term playing like a girl, Georgia? Um, I hope so. Because <laughs> this, okay. this, this was tough. If no one's seen the footage, they've got to go online and check it out. I'm sure by now most people would have seen it, but it is truly a phenomenal thing to have seen someone, anyone, regardless of being a girl or a guy or whatever, get hit like that and then just continue on and, and, and continue on and playing. It's, it's phenomenal work. Thank you. I would have asked for the stretcher personally. Um, <laughs> Me too. I wouldn't have been playing in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, when was the moment, Georgia, when I suppose you came off the field? I'm not sure. Can you give us a little bit of a timeline as to obviously you played this game, uh, the the footage finally got out there. When did when did it? Um, how long did it take to to really hit viral? And uh, what was the point where you go, oh god, this is like going national, like this is going worldwide? What, what was that? When was that moment? Um, I think when, oh, I was on the plane home from America to Australia, so I, I saw the picture first uploaded and I was thinking, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then, um, they were like, USA 7s was like, there's footage coming, and I was like, footage? What? And, um, they uploaded that video, and yeah, it was pretty sweet. I thought that was awesome. And then, um, I think sites just started picking it up and saying, like, look at this chick. 
And um, as soon as I got off the plane, I had like over 400 Facebook notifications. <laughs> and like now I've had like over 2,000 friend requests and it's just crazy. So I think like maybe two days after it went up, it just went crazy. I, 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 I'm proud of the fact that uh, on the Twitter account I was in college, I actually followed you before you peaked out. I think I got you somewhere in between. I think maybe, maybe I'm, I'm thinking it was like maybe 500 followers, but then you're all the way up at 6,300. So I like to think that I managed to, to uh, predict the trend uh, from the early stages. But I, I do remember that, actually. I was like, this is interesting. I was in college. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, well, I, I um, just tell us a little bit about your story because you're a little bit different too. We, we cover a lot of uh, Australians in the US college system because... I suppose that's um, the the sheer proportion of uh, of Australians that are actually over in the US from a sport perspective is very few in the pros, but most of them are in college. You're yeah. not necessarily a typical uh, Aussie in college from a sport perspective because you you, uh, you, you don't play an NCAA-sanctioned sport or you, where you're playing at Lindenwood is not um, a vastly level sport, but you were only over there for a year, was that correct? Yeah, well, um, so Lindenwood's a NCAA Division Two school, but um, oh, Division two. rugby, rugby is student life sports, and we were Division One. So that's how that happened. Ah, oh, okay, because obviously women's rugby is NCAA uh, sponsored. Um, do they? So from Lindenwood, uh, they compete in the. Do they compete in the NCAA division, or do they compete in a separate division? Uh, not. Women's rugby and men's rugby are in student life sport, and then so that's separate to NCAA. So we have different rules and regulations. Okay. Was there any thought now? I suppose that you come back. You spent how was it? Twelve months over there. Uh, like eleven, so pretty much. And was this like a university transfer from where you're studying in Australia? Yeah. Was there any talk with obviously some of the the US universities that do offer scholarships to to maybe go over, or are you just pretty uh, set on on continuing your studies back here in Australia? Um, so I was on a scholarship for rugby, um, and it was pretty much fully funded almost, like I only paid a little bit of money, and um, because my program there is fully funded, so like all our stuff's paid for pretty much, which is awesome, but um, the reason I went there was for rugby, because where I live here in New South Wales, there's no women's rugby around, and obviously I, I love it, so... Oh, I'm just a little bit confused, because on, on the roster it says you're a sophomore, so um, why did you decide to come back? Um, come back. Oh, so I studied in Australia for two years and then transferred there as a sophomore with sophomore credit, but now I'm pretty much a junior. Yeah. And, um, I came back to Australia because osteopathy is like my passion and obviously women don't get paid to play rugby professionally, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I've got to think about that. So away from the hit, Georgia, what kind of player are you? And how would you describe the way you play? We've seen this one play and, and that you're hard-hitting and you're a tough player. How would you describe the way you play? Um, I may not be the most skillful on the field, but I definitely have the most heart. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're like the Matthew Dellavedova. We've obviously seen in the NBA Finals. I don't know whether you watched much of the NBA Finals, but Matthew Dellavedova, who's an Australian, was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yep. Not the most talented player on the court, but gave his all and ended up making a big impact. I assume that's the same with you. Yeah, pretty much. And I like. I, I feel like I work pretty hard too. So like, that's a big thing as well. Especially in a sevens game, like getting back on the defensive line is one of the biggest things. 
So we've just seen a couple of hours ago, uh, you made an announcement on Twitter that you've actually signed with a modelling agency, which is a shock, horror, surprise, Georgia. <laughs> um, what's the what's the path forward with, um, with I suppose, the publicity that you've got out of this? Are you continuing your rugby? Where are you playing? Um, what are your goals in rugby? And uh, what have you got lined up with the modelling stuff? Um, well, I'm hoping that I can do, like, sports endorsements and, like, I don't know, my aspiration is obviously Ronda Rousey, that tough look kind of thing, you know what I mean? So hopefully that goes well with the modelling agency, that direction. Have you thought um, Have you thought about a career in UFC? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> you just stand in the cage and get beaten up for, for a few rounds and you can collect a, a runners-up prize check, but, you know. <laughs> um, but with the rugby... Um, I'm looking at going into a state squad, so either New South Wales or Queensland, and training with them, and then um, hopefully prospect on the Aussie Sevens team. So obviously growing up in New South Wales, you wouldn't have probably played much Aussie rules. Did you play any Aussie rules growing up or even any gridiron when you went over to the States? Have you played any other contact sport, or is it just strictly rugby for you? Um, Just rugby. Just I only started playing like a year and a half ago. <laughs> what attracted you to the sport? I mean, what were you, what were you doing beforehand from an athletic standpoint? Um, I actually played basketball most of high school, and I was uh, like a track runner. And um, I was, but I was playing Oz tag one day, and a girl just approached me, saying, "Hey, do you want to come give rugby sevens a go?" Like, and I was like, "What contest?" <laughs> like, I was like, "Yeah, why not?" Wow. And then just fell in love straight away. So you bred from a tough family. Do you have siblings who, who play contact sport? You obviously have good genes. <laughs> um, I actually think it was when I was a kid, me and my cousins used to wrestle all the time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so maybe coming from that, they roughed me up a bit when I was young. You've uh, you've been a little bit vocal on, on on your Twitter account, I suppose. Obviously, uh, leveraging the, the the following base that you have now in terms of promoting women's sport, and um, you know that women are you know can be tough as well, and things like that, and breaking down down those stereotypes. What are your thoughts in terms of, I suppose, um, this is one of the rare occurrences where women's sport gets highlighted for being able to match it, I suppose, in terms of um, the aspects where, where you know, people judge them to be lesser than the, than the men's sports in terms of aggression and things like that. What, what's your thoughts on things like lingerie football and things like that? Does that sort of grind your gears in terms of that's the women's sport that gets publicity or, or what, what are your thoughts on the situation there? Um, well... I've actually thought about this before because someone approached me asking I should start playing LFL. Really? Um, Do you have a special announcement for us? <laughs> no, <laughs> but like it's hard. Like women's sport doesn't get published, like publicised, obviously. So, and you know what, sex sells and beer sells, and that's why the LFL is so big. Do you know what I mean? So, unfortunately, it's like that. I wish it was like all the actual facts of the sport. Like the LFL girls are free. Like, they're strong and they train hard. It's just unfortunate that they get publicised that way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it comes down to whether or not the girls feel comfortable doing it in the first place. I mean, if anything, it's uh, you know, um, you know, it, it's some exposure. It's starting to, to, to break the mould. But are you? Um, did you pick up any interest in, in gridiron while you were over in the US? Um, I'd never really, like, watched it back, like, from here. But um, I think it's kind of cool. It's... Um, you have to be very specialised in your position, so that's kind of cool. But then I like the fact that in rugby you have to be good at everything, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So. Speaking of rugby, we had the uh, the State of Origin in Melbourne last week. Being from New South Wales, do you follow and watch the State of Origin? 
Yeah, I'm a big Blues fan. <laughs> and do you hate Queensland as much as all the uh, New South Wales uh, people seem to seem to hate them? Is, is that rivalry very strong in you? Um, nah, not really. <laughs> it's just kind of a thing where you're just watching, just uh, kind of fingers crossed that uh, New South Wales win kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's always a good game. I hate that they cut, like, they don't let all the fights happen anymore. That was the best part of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, why does that not surprise us that of all people that would say the best part is fighting is the one that gets, you know, hit in the face and can stand up? But what, what's what's the path forward for you in terms of, do you, I mean, obviously you want to come back to Australia and, and, and do your course and things like that, but uh, is there any is there any lure to go back to the US? Did you enjoy your time? Um. Yeah, I loved it. Like, if they did osteo at... Linwood, I definitely would have stayed probably, but um, so I don't know I'll be I'll be going back to play like tours with like Stars Rugby, which is the team that I played with over there as well, and stuff like that. But I don't think that I'll be back living there. Yeah, and how did you? I mean, from if you can paint us a little bit of a picture, where whereabouts is Lindenwood, and is there anything? How would you characterize it from comparing it to uh to an Australian area? Like, what what's the general cultural setup there? <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is like cold as hell. <laughs> as soon as you start laughing, I knew it wasn't going to be a good thing. <laughs> but um, it's really like in the middle of America, I guess, like Midwest. So there's not much around except for cornfields. But um, so it's close enough to St. Louis. So it's, there's a city nearby, so it's not too bad. Um, it's very different. Like the school I was at is so big compared to like Southern Cross University here in Australia like when I walked in and this is Lindenwood like a small school compared to like Penn State or something but like I I was looking at it thinking oh my god look at the size of this thing (laughs) and like sport is just so big like train six seven days a week and there's nothing like that here in Australia unfortunately. So how did you find that culture change? Because a lot of Australians who go over and play collegiately, whether it be basketball or football or rugby or whatever it is, a lot of them seem to miss home a little bit and, and kind of struggle with the culture change. Is this the first time you were you had been overseas and away from family? And how did you how did you find that? Um, yeah, it definitely was a bit of a culture shock. But like the fact that you're training all the time and you're around your teammates was definitely like comforting. So like, you know, I didn't think about missing home too much because I was always busy training and stuff. So that was a good thing. But then if we weren't training, I was pretty bored and <laughs> missed the beach. <laughs> out of, um, I'm, I'm just curious, uh, we won't keep you too much longer, but out of all this in terms of obviously uh, the social media thing obviously was probably the most extreme aspect in terms of gaining so many Twitter followers and Facebook uh, you know, notifications, friend requests. Has there been any, you know, what, what has been the cause part of, of this whole, I suppose, you know, last few weeks? And what's has there been anything that's come up that's sort of been like really odd or really weird? It's like some sort of weird request for, you know, um, you know interviews or things like that? Um, I think the best thing that I like read from it was you know Bam off Jacker. Yeah, yeah. Bam McGarrah. He he um, wrote an article on it and. No way. Um, <laughs> so you're gonna do a special guest appearance on Jackass, or or he's he's got a couple of his own shows, doesn't he as well? So you can make a special guest appearance in one of those. I know. When I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. So while you wouldn't consider doing lingerie football, would you consider doing stunts like in Jackass? Be a stunt woman. You can become a stunt woman. 
Maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I, I just love how out of all this, I mean, for most for most people, I would have thought the epitome of an athlete's career is ending up on like SportsCenter's top 10. <laughs> but for you, it's a, being an article written by Bam Margera of all people. But, you know, each to their own. But, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we I, I, I tell you, when I was in the US and it came up or whatever, and, you know, you got, obviously, this got replayed so many times in the US especially yeah. I'm not sure how much it got back here in Australia but it was just a on, lot as well oh was it it yep. was just on constant loop on all like uh, you know bar TVs for, for when really? you know it's sports games and things. oh yeah it was just but at that point I didn't actually know you are Australian and so the moment that it came up oh, I, can't, I can't even remember how I found out you were an Australian you uh, felt pride didn't you oh instant pride <laughs> oh George I just I just stood up and started singing the national anthem but uh, yeah and that's, that's he felt tough after that he thought if you can do it he can do it but he's, he's he I've can't do it tough. because no, neither tough. of us are tough especially compared to you yeah. really compared to most people neither of us That's are tough so funny. yeah I, I need a heated blanket at night I can't I can't sleep in anything less but uh... <laughs> hey Georgia thank you so much for joining us on the Flag Flies we really appreciate you giving us some of your time congratulations on everything that's going on and hopefully you can um, get to the modelling contract up and going and, and we can have a chat to you about that at some stage soon but um, thanks for jumping on and, and, and having a chat with us that's fine it was nice talking to you guys Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is the Flag Flyers. Now, it's been a couple of weeks, Lucky, and since we've spoken to this man, but we decided to get him back on because there is some news in the world of, uh, of Aussies in, in the college system, and especially with the NBA draft coming up, we want to find out how a couple of the guys who have been working out with the NBA teams have been. Damien Arsenis from pickandroll.com.au has joined us on the line again. Damien, I hope your voice is better, buddy. Uh, the voice is much better. It's been a couple of weeks and we're back on track. Uh, excellent, mate. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we chatted about Hugh Greenwood and Mitch McCarron getting workouts with NBA teams. Recently, we've had a third Australian workout with an NBA team in Jeremy Hill. Yeah, that's right. So Hugh Greenwood, Mitch McCarron. Hugh Greenwood had a workout. Mitch McCarron has had a couple. And now Jeremy Hill is the latest one last week, uh, having a crack with the Spurs. There's a potential to uh, to be more than two Aussies at the at the Spurs, which is good. Obviously, the Spurs are very um, they they historically love trialing international players. If you have a look at their squad, most of it is made up of international players, so they're not scared of taking these guys. What chance do you give any of these guys, Greenwood, McCarran, or Jeremy Hill, to actually make uh, a list come next season, whether it be via Saturday's draft or, or via the kind of Matthew Delvadova route and go and sign through free agency? Well, in all reality, the, the, firstly, the three guys are all very different players. You've got Hugh Greenwood. He is a combo guard, predominantly been playing as a point. He, he, he does all the, the hard things and has really been the glue for New Mexico. Then you've got Mitch McCarron, a bit more explosive um, a bigger scorer, a Division Two player of the year, so he's got some great credentials there. But we don't hear of many Division Two players be taken in the NBA draft. But if there was one this year, it might just be him. Um, and then you've got Jeremy Hill, the sweet shooting forward from uh, Texas San Antonio, so the Roadrunners, and uh, he's been the latest to work out. And he's a he's a really good stretch four kind of guy. And um, but realistically, I can't expect to hear any of these three guys. Um, and their names get called out on draft day, unfortunately. Even though, you know, in an ideal world we'd like these guys to get drafted, wouldn't you argue that with these guys coming from their, I suppose, uh, background of, of, you know, lesser credentials than what a, a normal uh, drafted player would be, that actually plays into their hand not being drafted because then th- them and their agents can target teams which they may have a better shot of, of um, getting on a roster through targeting weaker, you know, 
guards, um, guard-based teams or, or things like that? Well, you're spot on. And, and that's exactly what happened with Delavadova. He ended up in a team that needed him. And, you know, he, opportunities opened up for him and he's been able to see lots of time, as we all know. And there is a potential that these guys could definitely do that. And, look, if they got drafted late second round, an NBA team could hold their rights and stash them overseas and they don't get the time of day. So, for me, I would prefer to see them go undrafted and have that opportunity as a free agent to land at a team that actually really needs them. Now let's move on from those guys to the World University Games. Let us know about uh, how those are going. Yeah, well, we've had the teams named, and uh, the, both the men and the women, and both of the teams are stacked. So Australia is set to send arguably the best two teams to the World Uni Games we've ever sent. Beautiful. Let, so, so run through some of the names who are going. So the men's team, when we won silver behind the play of Cam Bairstow and Ryan Brokoff last time around in 2013, and we know how well those guys are going. One's in the NBA and one's an all-star in Turkey. So um, this year we've got four players from the NBL. Um, we've got Sean Bruce, Mitch Preek, uh, Mirka um, Jerick, and uh, Corey Maynard, who obviously came the college route with Bryant as well. Um, but, look, this team is headlined by one of the guys, a couple of guys that have been trying out for NBA teams. We've got Hugh Greenwood and uh, Mitch McCarran are definitely the guys to look out for. And you've also got Dan Trist, who was a standout at... at Flag um, Fly Zone. Yep. yep. So is Hugh Greenwood, actually. Sorry? Flag Fly Zone. Oh, Dan yeah, Trist yeah. And, and Hugh Greenwood and probably half these blokes, which is good. That's right. And you've got the likes of Deng Deng from Baylor... Nick Duncan from Boise State, who absolutely had a gangbusters end to the season. And then you've got the hero himself, Mr. Peter Hooley, is on this team. So when you throw in Mango Masiang, who went for a deep run run in the NCAA tournament, you can see how this team's really coming together. And they're they're coached by Andre Lamanis, the Boomers head coach. Which is good because you get some consistency going from the uh, the World University Games to that potential um, senior's berth. That's right. Now, one thing I'll ask you guys, have any of you ever heard of the Australasian College of Natural Therapy? I haven't, personally. (laughs) Uh, Yes? No. (laughs) Well, the only reason why I ask that, because to play in the World Uni Games, you have to have been going to school, right? Sure. And and there's two of these players on the Australian team, Mirko Jerick and um, Corey Maynard. They're both um, studying at that college. Oh. Where is it? You might have to Google because I have no idea. I thought for... I was like looking at Chris thinking, is he trying to plug something on our show without giving us warning? I'm like, is this a pick and roll sponsor? No, I can't claim it. I'm literally asking. I've never heard of them. Oh, right. Me neither. But anyway, there you go. If if they needed to uh, to to play, the, then we'll, we'll let them do it. It's kind of a lull for for the Australians at the draft this year, actually, because obviously we had Dante Exum uh, get drafted by um, by the Jazz last year. We'll probably have Ben Simmons go relatively high next year. That's right. Uh, who knows after that? It's kind of a, a bit of a, a lull this year for for the Australians in uh, in in draft talk. Look, we can't have a top draft. Uh, sorry, I'll start that again. Can't have a top five draft pick every year. Come on, we're 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 looking good good in the future ahead. I uh, we just got off the off the phone to Olgan uh, talking about uh, Thon and things like that. Have you heard anything about where Isaac Humphries may end up? Look, I, he is a genuine talent. You know, seven footers don't grow on trees. Seven footers that can score don't grow on trees, and this guy can do both of those. So he he's definitely going to be a lottery pick. I'd 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 belief but where would you if you imagined he was going to college somewhere in the u.s and maybe 
make... It's got to be one of the big four. I he, he's going to go to a big program. Mm. I think he would be silly not to go to a big program. And if you had to put a, <laughs> uh, a an opinion out there... He where... doesn't know. Doesn't he? Uh, I don't know. Well, I we don't, don't know. know who he's going to. You don't know? I do not know where he's going. You swear? I promise you I don't know. Oh, damn it. We tried to extract but, it from Olgan off air, but he wouldn't give it to us. Well, I promise you I don't know, but, oh. but I do know he should go to a big program. I believe he is going to go to a big program, oh. um, and that will put the dampener on quite a few fans and another other, a few other programs as well So that, that have been hoping that he'd go there because he really is a player you can build a program around. And just before we let you go, Damien, you've got some news on Jack Purchase. Yeah, he look. He was one of these players that was looking to transfer, so he um, was was always going to move from Auburn after last season, and made made the official decision to do so. And this past week, he is committed to the University of Hawaii. What do you make of that move? I think it's a great move. Um, he he went to a program in the first year where he was hoping to um, see some action, and ended up redshirting basically. So. He's looking for an opportunity to play, as a lot of these Aussies soon find out. And we spoke about oh, a couple of months ago about it, some other transfers as well. So these guys are looking to play. They want to play, and Jack Purchase is a player. And I think Hawaii gives him an opportunity to do so immediately. And Hawaii's also a bit closer to Australia as well. So it's a pretty good route for an Australian player to take. And they got good weather. they got great weather. Hey, Damien, thanks for joining us again on the Flag Flies today, mate. We're going to be looking and hoping uh, at the NBA draft on Saturday that maybe out of somewhere we can get someone drafted uh, towards the end of the second round. But again, like you said, if they're not selected in the late second round, that's not the end of the world for them by any stretch of the imagination. We saw Matthew Dallavadova go undrafted as well as a whole host of other guys get undrafted and still make the NBA. There's still summer league to go, so hopefully one of these guys can uh, make an impact and uh, find themselves on a list come next season. Mate, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll speak to you soon. No problem. Damien, I sent us there from pickandroll.com.au. That brings us to the end of another show today, Lockie. Chris Tyler, Lockie Miller. You can always find us on uh, Twitter, at The Flag Flies, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Flag Flies. And you've been pumping up Aussies in college more than you have since we started this show. So I do did, you want to give I did the, one uh, mention, the details mate. again of Aussies in college? No, I don't. I gave it one mention. You can this, give it a mention. No, this is a Flag Flyers show, but and we're running tight for time, so we need to get off the At air. college, Aussies is what it is, Lockie. Oh, thank you, Chris. <laughs> You're welcome. We are really running late, so uh, you can find us on Twitter and our Facebook, scn.com.au for the podcast as well, as well as our iTunes as well. If you search for the Flag Flyers, you can find us there. So have a good week, guys. See you next week. Bye. Whether you've overdone it at the gym... <gasps> At the dinner table or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au.